Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is October 24th, 2021. And guess what? Today is going to be exciting, exponential, empowering. Our Father has been doing amazing things in our body as we are arranged into His army of powerful arrows aimed at advancing His kingdom. The unity that God is building is ultimately going to undo the unsuccessful, undermining, universal plan of the enemy. We are experiencing shalom like never before. Can you attest to that? And we are proud to say that we will be building on the unity themes today. Church, while the pastors are away, the congregation does not play. Oh, say amen, church. By the way, this morning, I lose my voice. Yeah! You have been persistent in your pursuit of powerful shalom, and we are proud to be a part of this body. In every way, this church is showing itself to be led by God's hand, lavished by His revelation, and luminous with the brilliant light of God. We have been blessed by teachings like Sunday's message, Pride Wars. We have been built up by Wednesday's message, Dig Down, Build Up. And you have been bolstered by Saturday's teaching, perfect harmony. Church, in every way, we have not been assuaged to allocate to the asinine aspirations that the enemy wants us to. In every way, while the bulk of the leadership of this body has been uniting with other churches, we have watched you show the genuineness of your faith as it's being proven in what you do in the absence of the bulk of our leadership. We are proud to be a part of this body. This morning, we feel free to fully focus on what the fathers foretold. We will be built as living stones. This morning, our message is entitled Supreme Purpose. Turn with us to Exodus 25 verses 12 through 15 and say Supreme Purpose on your way. That's Exodus 25, verse 12. And it states, You shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them on its four feet, two rings on one side of it, and two rings on the other side. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark, and they shall not be taken from it. You know, this verse has, impacting, has been impacting our church for weeks. We have been learning that the ark, the footstool of God, the presence of God was carried in teams. God built in the team the concept, the team concept right in from the beginning, from the foundation of his presence. Whether we're looking at the four living creatures in Ezekiel or the throne of God, it's being carried by a team. And we know that the Levites are carrying the ark of the testimony on their shoulders. This is the ancient reality that he has ingrained from the beginning. Not only were these rings permanently attached to the feet, but also the poles of acacia wood, overlaid in pure gold, were to permanently remain in the the rings. Not to be taken from them. God's design was communicating something here. It was communicating something eternal. Something of an eternal nature that a teamwork was going to be required for eternity. What we want to focus on this morning is the supreme purpose of God in establishing this. That the ark of God was always intended to be surrounded by a unified people. This is the supreme God, the the supreme purpose that we'll be building on. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 15 verse 1. Oh, do you want to see the specific men that carried the ark? I mean, we've been debating like how many men there were. How long the poles were that stretched out? Would you like to know the specific men that carried that ark? Tell us, Justin. In 1 Chronicles 15, 1, after David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Emphasis. Then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them. To carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. So we see a chosen place and a chosen people. David assembled all Israel. Say all Israel. Israel. 
in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. He called together the descendants of Aaron and the Levites. From the descendants of Koath, we have this guy named Uriel and 120 relatives. From the descendants of Merari, we have another guy and 220 relatives. And from the descendants of Gershon, we have Joel, the leader, and 130 relatives. Church, the Lord chose Levi and his sons to carry the ark. He chose them for this task. This is the divine calling and purpose that God gave them. They did not merit this, nor did they earn it. This had nothing to do with them, but it was God's divine cho choosing. The Levites in this passage are carrying the ark of the Lord. And who's assembled around them? Who? All Israel is assembled around them. We see the supreme purpose of God taking effect. In this passage, we see something beautiful. The ark, the symbolic presence of God, is surrounded by unified clans, tribes, and all Israel, the nation. This is the supreme purpose of God. For his throne to be surrounded by a unified people. And that plays all the way through the Bible. But before we even think about a nation, because we want to see a unified nation, right? Yeah. We must embed a certain truth into our souls. Oh, come on. The nation, because we're thinking big, right? The nation is made up of individuals. Individuals that are not worthy of being called. Individuals who are weak. Individuals who were slaves. In fact, let's take a look at these individuals that made up the nation, those tribes and those clans that surrounded the ark. Let's go to Genesis 46 verse 11. We've talked about this. The sons of Levi, Gershon, Koath, and Merari. Can you see individuals here? Yeah. There were people, men like you and me. Nothing extraordinary about them. These were individuals that became responsible for carrying the ark. What was special about them except that they were called into this? These men were actually born 700 years before they brought the ark into Jerusalem. So let's talk about a, a calling that has some time span to get accomplished, right? At the time, in Genesis 46, they had no idea of what they would become. Okay? No idea. Absolutely not even a remote idea. In fact, you know... You know how we're confident that they had no idea? Because this is their blessing that their father gave them. All right, let's turn to Genesis 49, verse 5. And as you are getting there, say supreme purpose. Man, thank God the supreme purpose that he has for us is better than the current situation that we've been living in. Amen. Amen? In verse 5, we see something about the family of Levi. It says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Ooh. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger so, so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Man, can you imagine this being your family banner? Could you imagine your father looking, your grandfather looking at your father and giving this as the blessing? Come on. <laughs> you see, for Kohath, Merari, and Gershon, which are all sons of Levi, this is essentially their mezuzah. This is their family banner while all of the other tribes are getting blessings like, yeah, the sword will not depart until it comes to whom it'll rest. The scepter will be a part of your line. Instead of that, these men were cursed by their father. Their father did not want to enter in to their assembly. Think about situations, right? Think about victimhood, right? What is amazing about these men is that they did not stay there as individuals. These grandsons did not stay within that blessing. They could have felt insecure. They could have felt jealous about the other tribes around them. They could have been disenfranchised with the blessing that their father gave them and the whole house of Jacob. 
but they didn't stay there. Ultimately, they participated in the supreme purpose of God because they grew past this. They grew past this, and that's what was special about the sons of Levi. They personally outgrew their circumstances and never became victims. You know, in Exodus 32, the passage in which they are called, they abandoned everything in pursuit of God and His purpose. When Moses says, said, who is for the Lord? That's when Levi not only said, me, we are, okay, but they also took action. Moses said, who is for the Lord and what does LCM say? We are. Okay, they decided to make this the overall objective. To make God their overall objective. They considered that the goal of God was higher than their present circumstances. Remember, they were cursed with no hope. But they sought to, for, to work for the purposes of God. Because of this, they did not sever shalom between themselves and the Lord. They actually severed shalom Shalom with anything that opposed against their shalom with God. I'm sure they were attacked by, their, by the undermining attempts of the enemy when they're their individual souls, right? That, that you know, they're, they're kind of having this dilemma in their, in their hearts. But they chose to focus on the goal who is God. And they went on the attack. And this is what we as individuals must do. When if you want to be in the service of God, in the service of the ark, this is what we must do. We're not pursuing a function. You get that? We're not pursuing a function. We're pursuing God himself. We unify around God's purpose. And what happens then is that he gives us a function. As we move forward, you will begin to see how individuals like Koath, Merari, and Gershon grew past their petty insecurities and were built around the ark of God. All right, we have a slide for you from Numbers 4, 133. And I can't even begin to tell you what color that is. <laughs> but what we are seeing is that these men did not elevate their own purpose over God's supreme purpose. And as they begin to focus on God's supreme purpose, unity around the throne of God, the ark, God gave them a function. By the time you get to Numbers 4, verses 133, this is what you see. You see that these clans were formed from the individual sons of Levi. So we see that the Kohathites, their clan was responsible for taking care of the most holy things. I want to be a Kohathite. Carrying the most holy things. Like the ark, the altar, the table of bread, the altar of incense, the bronze basin. The Gershonites, it was their job to carry the curtains, the outer coverings, the curtains for the tent of meeting. The curtain for the entrance, the ropes, and equipment. The Mararites, they carried the frames, the crossbars, the posts, and bases, the tent pegs, and ropes. Isn't it amazing that these clans are descendants of the cursed sons of Levi? Yeah. Look what they became. Almost 400 years later, we see them working in unity within themselves. To accomplish the specific task that was given. These men could not do this if they did not have unity in their own clan. But like their forefathers, the individual, Koath, Merari, and Gershon. Like their individual forefather, each clan had a responsibility to maintain shalom in their God-ordained task. Now think, of, think about the shalom that the Koathites must have had. Could you imagine that they probably had to wrestle with their pride as a family, as a clan? Well, what about the Mararites? Think about the shalom that they must have had within their family or their clan. They might have had to deal with insecurity. Like, you know, God's supreme purpose is to be surrounded by the ark of God, but we're just not as close as the Kohathites. You know, the reason this is important, that they unified and had shalom with their own families is that they were working around God's ark. And it is God's supreme purpose that the ark always be surrounded by shalom. Church, each clan came from an individual. You know what this relates to in our body right here, right now? This relates to the way that one life in our body can walk in shalom and begin to build a clan that is unified for working around God's throne. 
Have we seen that in this body, church? We've seen many lives begin to work in Shalom and start to form a clan. Right, Tisdale? You see, it never stops with an individual. It builds from husband to wife, from wife to the children, and from children down. Amen? Amen. Now we're going to take a look at 1 Kings 8, and we will see how this went even further than clan Shalom. Amen. There you go. So we're going from an individual to a family to a tribe. 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 1. It says, Then King Solomon summoned into his presence at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families, to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. All, say all. All the Israelites came together. There was nobody that wasn't there. Came together to King Solomon at the time of the festival in the month of Ethanim, the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark. They brought up the ark of the Lord and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The priests and Levites carried them up. And King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark. Sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. Now, this is glorious. This is a glorious picture that you're getting here of a unity unlike any other. They're coming together around the ark and no one, no one is missing. In this passage, we see several things coming, starting to piece themselves together. The ark is being carried, okay, to a place of rest. It had been tabernacling. Without having a permanent placement, but now it's being carried into a place of rest. And what is it surrounded by? A united people. The individual Levites who were united with God and His purpose grew into a unified clan. Which grew into a unified entire assembly. This is the tribe unity that we're talking about. And there, all the tribes were gathering together. This is similar to when a man... He's experiencing shalom in his purpose. He's experiencing oneness with God, unity with him. And what happens is that he then brings shalom and unity to his family. And then his household, his family begins to unify around other families. And this grows exponentially into a unity and assembly that's united around his presence. Church, this is the supreme purpose. This is the ultimate goal. And this is what we are growing into. Oh, but just wait. There's more. Come on. Man, does tribe unity just excite you? Yeah. Like when the Molochs are getting together with the halls and they're building tribe unity. It grows into something. Ezekiel 37 verse 26 says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers. I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God. And they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy. When my sanctuary is among them forever. Look at this point. We see the ark. The sanctuary almost reaching its goal. God's supreme purpose is to be surrounded by a unified nation. It started with men like Merari. And then it moved into their clan. Then it spread through the tribes. And eventually it reaches the entire nation. This shalom around the ark. You know this is just like in our church. When individuals who are in the shalom of God. Began to build that shalom in their clan. Building it into their wives and children. And then building unity amongst the other tribes. Other households. And then eventually reaching the point where the entire church and our one association is unified around God's throne. Man, that's glorious, isn't it? But I want you to look at verse 28 again. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. You see, when this happens, other nations begin to take notice, church. Come on. But wait, there's there more. more. All right, let's go to Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16. 
Oh, man, we're talking about now nations gathering, right? Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem. We're talking about enemies. The nations that have attacked Jerusalem would go up year after year to play around. No. To worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of Sukkot. Okay, yeah. this supreme purpose is that nations now come and surround His throne. When the nation, His nation is unified around the ark, you know what happens? It causes other nations to take notice. Yeah. This is the John 17, 23 passage that they will believe that I have been sent, right? When you love each other, you'll, it testifies that you're my disciples. Nations will take notice. They will believe. And this is similar to our one association. This is similar as our tribe, our gathering. Gathering and building the body of Messiah. Growing in unity. And then the nations are gathered to it. Their nations are gathered to this body. We are building individual shalom first. We're building clan shalom. Families in Shalom. And we're building Shalom, unity that's built around families. So that collectively, the nations come and have something to gather themselves to. The nations see, believe, understand that this unity is supernatural. God breathed and they come and they unite themselves to it. This is a glorious goal. Amen. This is the ever-expanding kingdom of God. This is what we burn and die for. This is what we're living for, that other nations would be added. However, as we mentioned before, his kingdom is made up of individual units, okay? Units like you and I, I am an individual unit. They're made of individual units, but the purpose is for nations. The grandiose purpose is for nations to be gathered around his throne. Amen. For this purpose, individuals must be first in shalom. You see... Before we can even begin to unite clans in Shalom, before we can even begin to build tribes and churches, we have to start with the individual Shalom that's inside of us. Because how many of you have shown up to fellowship and yet you have not been in Shalom and it did not allow you to enter in with the other clans? Look, 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The truth is, church, we can't even talk about clan unity or tribe unity until we begin to allow the shalom of God's light to shine on our hearts and make that a practice in our life. Many of you have been asking, how do I make shalom amongst the other tribes and clans? Well, we can't do that until we are practicing walking in the light we won't be able to walk in the shalom of God's light with each other if we don't start with ourselves for many individuals they are surrounded by the fellowship and shalom of God's presence but they are not entering into it because they have a lack of shalom inside themselves as we move forward we're going to address this we're going to address how individuals can engage with the supreme purpose of God by starting with themselves. Because church, the stake is high. We have the potential to form a nation in Shalom. This word, 1 John, is clear that this is the best way to get to where we want to be, which is nation kind of unity. To start, we need to be reminded of the preciousness of how God chooses individuals. Kind of like how God chose Merari and Koath, even though they were part of a cursed line. We need to be reminded of the preciousness of how God chooses individuals to be in relationship with his presence. All right, so just for this moment, as you turn to 1 Peter 1 verse 18, say preciousness. preciousness. 1 Peter 1 verse 18 says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. For a moment right now, gaze, place your eyes on the precious nature of the blood that was shed for you. The blood that covered everything. Every sin and made a way 
for you into his holy presence. The blood that cleansed the heavenlies and cleansed you. That you would have access to your father and you would have confidence and boldness to come into his throne. That kind of blood was shed for you. Nobody in this place should ever struggle with a lack of perceived value. Amen. Nobody in this place should feel like the price that was prayed for you was not high enough. Because your father shed the best that he could shed. He didn't just throw in a check for you and say, here you go. I, this is what I have for my son. He paid the ultimate price. He gave the best that he could give. And if there had been anything higher that he could have given, he would have given it. But there wasn't. So he gave his son. And his son shed his life, his, li his blood for you. This is not an ordinary love. This is not an ordinary price that was paid for you. Much like Koath, like Mirari and Gershon, he chose you. Even when you were a product of a curse. Even when you were a product of slavery. He chose you. See, turn with us to Titus 3, 3 through 6. Because we know the price he paid for us. But sometimes we kind of forget the state we were in when he paid that for us. Like... Man, we were worth it. Like he paid the ultimate price and he did it for a reason because he knew that I was worth it. Well, check out what Titus 3 verses 3 says. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds. Say it, Spencer. All kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy. Being hated and hating one another. But when, say but when. But when. But when the kindness and love of our God, our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done. But because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us generously Hallelujah. through Jesus Christ, our savior. Yes. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. You see like Levi's sons in Egypt before they had the chance to become priests while they were still products of a broken line. You were broken, insecure, enslaved by darkness with no hope at all. And without God, you were cursed. The father wanted nothing to do with your assembly. Your prospects for life were pitiful. No matter your dreams or aspirations. You were in slavery and cursed. You were a broken jar of clay. And this is who you were before he called you. Man. And so he called you. He chose you. He did not have to. You know that? No, nobody begged him to. Nobody bribed him to. He actually wanted to. He called you as an individual. He looked upon you and said, hey, here's my son. Hey, I call you Nick Rosales. Come to me. He called you as an individual. In fact, the scriptures indicate that he knew you before you were formed. Actually, he formed you. Okay? So he knew about your screw-ups. He knew about it, and regardless, he called you and he chose you. You know, when he, when he chose any individual, or the Apostle John, any individual by that matter, he was making an in, a proposition to a specific individual. This is beautiful, isn't it? This, is, this settled my soul when he called me. It's like, me? Are you serious? Like, are you calling me? It was unbelievable. He did, and, and after he called us, like Spencer... He did not leave us as we were found. He knew the amount of work that I would take. This sounds like my wife. He, she knew the amount of work that I would take. She didn't know you would lose your hair though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I bribed her a little bit there. I'm right so, behind you, brother. <laughs> he forgave you. He cleansed you. And he has done it many times since then. He has been intentional, unrelenting about your equipping and your spiritual growth. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And not only that, this is something even more precious. 
He has filled you with His Holy Spirit. Oh, say not only that, church. He has filled you with His Spirit. You see, like the sons of Levi, not only did He choose you, He gave you a position around the Ark of God. Come on. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1 21. Say supreme purpose as you get there. It says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirits in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You see, you as a person were chosen, you as an individual were chosen to host the presence of God. You were called to, to carry the ark like the sons of Levi, but you are also called to have the ark inside of you. In fact, John 1.14 in the Young's literal translation says that he came and physically tabernacled amongst us. He tabernacled. But having ascended into heaven, he did not leave us as orphans. Indeed, the same spirit that was in Jesus came and made his dwelling in us. We are like Levi carrying the ark because the ark is in us. That means in the Holy Spirit, as his kingdom is established in our lives, righteousness, peace, and joy entered your lives and is entering your lives now. And you are called to carry that like the house and sons of Levi. That is a privilege that we have been blessed with. How many people do you know do not walk in this privilege? And yet you have it on your shoulders. Unfortunately, the problem is, is that we sometimes lose the preciousness of these things. Have you seen at times in the Bible where the men carrying the ark lost the preciousness of carrying those things? As that happens, God's supreme purpose fades and other things begin to weigh us down. All right, let's go to Ephesians 4.30. As you're getting there, think about the preciousness of this Holy Spirit inside of you. What must you do if this is being poured inside of you? Verse 30, Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. See if you consider this presence, if you really, really consider your, this presence as worthy, as valuable, as precious, then the next thing that you need to do is guard it. This is a treasure that we need to, that we need to get a hold of, of how precious it is. And we have to make every effort to guard it and protect it. I mean, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you really value it? Yes. Do you really value it? Yes. Because if you do, you will protect it all day long you would protect it at every minute of your life this is what would be in your mind and what would be in your heart this is what you would be watching after that this presence is not grieved that this presence is actually incrementally increased exponentially increased Amen. you think like this passage says that you may have a reason to harbor things like bitterness rage anger brawling slander somebody did you wrong and you think you may have there's a reason to harbor them. But these are enemies that come in disguise to grieve, to quench the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. They come and infiltrate His people and they defile the tabernacle that He is inhabiting. Ultimately, they grieve the ark that we consider precious, that made us alive, that gives us the thoughts of God, that allows us to be reunited with Him. Ultimately, they drive out the presence from our lives. See, what happens is we lose the preciousness of what we're carrying it. And so we leave it on the ground for Philistines just to take away. We have to guard this precious thing that's been given us. If we start to focus on our purpose instead of God's supreme purpose, well, that is allowing Philistines to come and take the ark that you're supposed to be guarding. I want you to put yourself in the place of the sons of Levi for a brief moment. In a situation that might seem insignificant, and ignoble. Anybody ever felt like you're in that kind of situation? Yeah. You might, might, find yourself struggling 
to maintain the weight of the supreme purpose of God, guarding it, getting rid of things that grieve the presence of God, like Philistines coming and taking that away. Like, have you ever found yourself valuing your calling or your function more than his presence in your life? Have you ever just woken up one day and like, why do I feel strange? It's because you've been thinking about your own value and your own function more than his supreme purpose. That would be putting your purpose above his supreme purpose. Or in other words, valuing your purpose over his. You see, it's all too easy for the sons of Levi to be constantly worried about their position in Israel. Because God's supreme purpose is not precious enough for them. We have to get rid of this church. If we develop that mentality and lose the preciousness of the purpose, then we will have Philistines come and rob us. And it shows up in our lives as bitterness, rage, lack of self-control. Is your purpose, though, to ensure that his presence remains in you? Is it? Or have you found your daily pursuit and sole purpose to find your calling in life? Man, we have to get rid of this. These things grieve the presence of God. The sons of Levi were not seeking for a calling. And yet, when they chose to side with the Lord around the ark of God, they found a purpose. You see, sir, your seeking of your own purpose is often the biggest enemy to God's supreme purpose being formed in your life. If we would lay down our desire for a position, purpose, function, God might surround you around the ark and begin to start building. Come on. You see, they found a place by the ark that no man gave them. This was a place that God ordained, and it was not by the will of man. They did not need to consult and say, hey, JJ, what do you think about my calling, man? Hey, Merari, what do you think about what we're doing? We're carrying this. No, God ordained the position because they were not seeking their own. It was according to his supreme purpose. It's almost like no man can receive anything unless it is given to him from above. Okay? You know, the reality is that our insecurity rises up because like my brother Justin was saying, we value, we value function more than presence. We value ranking more than sonship. We prioritize our position and who we are in this big body, right? Instead of supreme purpose. When you value your position, you lose the purpose. Instead of being about your father's business and purpose, we're looking for shoes to fill. What am I good at? What am I going to do? You know, how can I find myself valuable among this congregation? We're doing these things, seeking our own intentions, our own desires, instead of seeking the purpose of God for this body. You know, when you're seeking these things, these will not, it cannot bring about God's ultimate purpose, God's supreme purpose in our lives, God's supreme purpose in, every, in everybody's lives. This, you know what happens if we actually end up seeking our own purpose? We propagate our own desires. We propagate our own selfishness. You start contaminating the person next to you. They become just like you. Oh, I need to be looking for shoes to fill. Bitterness. Like holding things against your brothers, sisters, your spouse, and not engaging in transparency rises up. Rage and anger. Like from not getting your way because you, you valued this position. You valued your way more than the God's purpose. Brawling. Like tearing down others in word, deed, or in your heart even, instead of actually building them up. Slender becomes a thing of our body. Like diminishing people behind their backs. Or in your own heart, you didn't say it, but you're thinking less of them. And every form of malice. These are the enemies that disguise themselves into our congregation when we do not have our eyes in the supreme purpose. See, the supreme purpose is always that individuals would grow into clans, that clans would unite with other clans and form tribes, that tribes would unite and form a nation like a church. But what happens is if we do not guard what we are carrying, if we do not guard God's supreme purpose in us, then all of these things like bitterness, rage, anger, they start to work their way 
in the same layered fashion. They start to work their way in in between you and God, in between you and your wife, in between you and the other households in this body, in between you and the church at large. We need to get rid of this church. Come on. Pleasing your father only is what must consume your mind and heart. His priorities and nothing else. Not ever grieving his presence in you, but actually aiming to make him proud. This is the path to becoming like the sons of Levi and conforming to the supreme purpose. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, indeed, we not only protect it, but we need to desire its increase in our life. We are not on the defensive, church. We are moving forward, and we are moving forward with determination. We want to see God's supreme purpose fulfilled and all the layers going, radiating shalom outward. Instead of taking for granted his presence, which we've all done, haven't we? We need to contemplate the Lord's glory. With an unveiled face, we need to focus on becoming and beholding who he is. We need to make this our personal aim and focus. Because there is nothing more dangerous than being surrounded by the ark and not beholding its glory. Come on. So, as you... Come with an unveiled face, all right? It's kind of like walking in the light. Nothing, nothing hinders his light to your face. Unveiled face, contemplate the Lord's glory. What happens? The result of this is transformation. You are being transformed. Transformed not into something a little bit more glorious. You're being transformed into his image. You're being increased with ever increasing glory. We can't be content with the measure of glory that you have today. You know why? Because the word says that you have to be continually transformed in ever increasing glory. So this is not just about guarding and valuing. You do those things, but you grow in it. You pursue it. You seek after it. You contemplate his glory to a point where he's increasing, ever increasing glory. It becomes a thing of, of your day, of your daily, daily path, of your, everything that you do. You're increasing in his glory and you're becoming more like him. Hunger for more of your presence, for more of his presence. Hunger for his ark. Hunger in contemplation of his ark will cause this. In a individual, if you're desiring to be more like him, but you're not looking to him, you're looking in the wrong place. You desire to be a better husband? Well, go to the one that will teach you how to be a perfect husband. You desire to be a better son or a better brother? Well, you need to look and contemplate into his face and be transformed into who he is. Man, that's a good word in and of itself, isn't it? Fix your eyes on Jesus and you will become these things. You know, I know some of you are asking, if we're building unity in our congregation, why are these guys focusing so much on our own personal pursuit? The truth is we're really not if you're listening. We're focusing so much on the individual unit because this is the most crucial stage. If Koath, Marari, and Gershon struggled in these areas, then they would have never become the clans. And then the ark would have never made it to the nation. Are y'all picking up on that? We're speaking about these things because the body is made up of parts and units. Because a house is made up of individual stones. You know what happens? You begin to unite sons and daughters whose priority is to host, guard, and increase his presence in them. And you will have a congregation that is united around doing the same thing. You see, these are not people who are seeking their own success. And we know you, church, are not seeking your own success. They are not looking to have function, rank, or position. They are like Matthias that was with Jesus the entire time. But you never heard about him until the Lord appointed him to the task. They are like Stephen, who is full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit, yet had no function. And when given a function, it was the function to serve the body. Greek widows more specifically. Yeah. 
These are individuals who are not tempted by alternate means of gratification. Their only focus in life is their father's kingdom and supreme purpose. Come on. Our unity has a supreme purpose. Are you getting that from this message today? And it is his presence among us. If this supreme purpose is not true in the individual unit, in the individual living stone, it will not be true when you put the stones together. It will not be true when the individual unites. When your priority, your priority is his presence, the ark inside of you, then when these sons and daughters unite, you have something beautiful happens. It empowers you to bring about his supreme purpose. And this Indeed, this is when your personal priority to become like the Son of God causes you to be empowered and to be fruitful in His kingdom. Like the Son of God, you become empowered to actually be fruitful in building unity. Like, this is, this is not chicken or egg. This is, you have to have this as your priority and that, that will allow us to build unity around each other. And we know that his priority is the supreme purpose that many peoples come around his throne in unity. You actually, his purpose for you is that you become an effective tool to, be, to accomplish this purpose. This means that when you have this in yourself, you then become able to replicate this in others. You as an individual who has righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that was given to you, Start to radiate that same righteousness, peace, and joy in everybody around you. Especially in those closer to you. And then your family on those next to you. And then into those next to you. And your congregation is filled with the righteousness, peace, and joy that was first established in the individual. Amen. This is God working in each one of us because he has a, a, a supreme purpose in mind. You see, God has this supreme purpose and we are on the attack, church. We are going to start by demolishing things inside of us. And as we do that, that is going to naturally radiate to those around us. First and foremost, our wife and children. Then and that is going to naturally radiate to the other clans and families in this church. And we will form tribes. Or let me say another word you're familiar of. Teams. We will form teams. And then as we form teams, we're going to form a nation that is going to add other nations to us. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 through 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Church, we are learning to demolish strongholds that are undermining our unity with God. As we destroy these things in our own individual lives, it enables us to unite with our clans. You begin to now begin to make shalom with your spouse and your children as you demolish it in your life. The shalom of your life that is united with the supreme purpose of God will begin to grow. And as you destroy these strongholds, God will build a clan and a family that is united for the supreme purpose of God. This shalom, this presence, this purpose begins to radiate to the other clans and LCM. Is there a clan in this house that you just feel like, man, I love being around them. That's because they're walking in the supreme purpose of God. You see, as you build this in your clan, other clans start to take notice and they want to be a part of it. And it starts to form tribes, teams. It starts to perform that kind of tribal unity in the supreme purpose of God. As teams, tribes, households unite in this purpose, we will form a united nation. Not the united nations. A united nation surrounding the ark of God. Church, you have the power to do this. You have these weapons to demolish things. Nolan, you have got, you have this ability to do this. Keith Phillips, you have this ability to build this shalom. Linton, you got this ability, man. Steve Thomas, you have this ability to start with yourself and radiate the supreme purpose of God. 
Adam Cora has the ability. Paul Makowick has the ability. Adulam has the ability. These are things God has already given us. These weapons to demolish strongholds and build his supreme purpose. The supreme purpose of God is to have many people united around his throne. It starts with individuals and it works its way through all the layers of God's kingdom. Okay, so let's go to Isaiah 66, 66 verse 1. Man, God is going to ask us a question in this verse. He's saying, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? This is the question that he's asking us. Where will this resting place be? He's looking to have a place, a resting place, a permanent place among us. His supreme purpose was foreshadowed with the temple. It was foreshadowed with the tabernacle and the temple. Finally, with the ark having come to have rest in the temple. And, there are, and the temple being surrounded by unified, a unified people. But, but ultimately, what is the, what is the house that, he would, that you would build? What, is, what can you build to him if he has everything is his? What can you build for him? The house is actually built by him. You don't get to build the house. He builds the house. You are the living stones. Hebrews 3 verse 3 says this. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone. But God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, bearing witness to what would be bespoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son, as the son over God's house. And we are his house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we glory. So church, who's the one who is building his house? It is God. It is Jesus building his house, just like he built up the line of Levi, just like he built up the line of David. God is now at work building his house to rest in it. He is the builder. He is at work right now. Jesus tabernacled amongst us, but he was seeking to build a temple. You see that parallel there? Yeah. He is building a place for his rest, a place that would inhabit with ever increasing glory. And we've already told you that that supreme purpose of God is to have a people who are unified surrounding his throne. So we can see that Moses built a structure that was surrounded by unity in every level. It was surrounded by individuals. It was surrounded by clans. It was surrounded by tribes. And eventually that grew into being surrounded by a unified nation or nations. And... As the builder is building a place to rest right now, Jesus is building us as the temple in the same way. We are the temple for his presence to rest. He is building up our individuals in this house. He is building up strong individuals to walk in the shalom of God. And in turn, he's building up strong families and marriages and generations. That's the clan level kind of shalom. And out of that, he is building up teams in this house. That is the tribal level of Shalom. And he is building up our churches one to be united with the other churches of the one association. That is national level unity. His supreme goal is, carried, is being carried out, carrying, carried out by him and built by him. We've alluded to this verse entire morning. First Peter 2 says that we are the living stones being built into a spiritual house. Individual stones that are being perfected are being then placed in perfect unity. Amen. You are not the builder, but you know what you can do? You can yield to the builder. Yeah. You know, you do, you do have a responsibility. And it is to align with his purpose for him to build the house. You do have an ability, and that is to reject that building work. 
But that's not what we're going to do. We want to yield to our builder. We want to yield to our father. You as a living stone can take your place in the house. As we move to a close, we want to encourage you that as you grow as an individual, God will strengthen every part of your area that needs to be in unity. Like your marriage, this is inevitable. Right, Justin? Right. You are focusing on his presence as you carry it, and what happens is that you and your wife end up carrying the presence, and it's not just you. Oh, come on. As you do that, then you grab more people that will carry the presence with you. And you know what? Our builder, our father is not stagnant. When he sent his son, the rock, cut with a stone, you know what happened to that mountain? It grew, and it grew, and it grew. He was not stagnant. He's looking for ever, ever increasing glory. He's looking for a kingdom that will not stop. We will, we will be a unified church, unified church with other churches, and nations will be added to our number. So this begs the question. And so many of you have been asking this question this week. How can I be more united in God's supreme purpose? How can I be unifying with teams? How can I make teams? How can I, how can I start with Shalom and my clan? How do I do it? It begs a question in light of supreme, the God, God's supreme purpose. How do I make that happen? And we've already told you that your place is to start with yourself. But where? How? How do you start with yourself in light of God's supreme purpose? I want to share with you that God had a solution for the nation of Israel. God had a way for them to achieve the supreme goal of God, which is his throne being surrounded by unified peoples. Would you like to see that solution? Yes. It comes from Isaiah 32 verses 14 through 18. It says, the fortress will be abandoned, the noisy city deserted, citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever, the delight of donkeys, a pasture for flocks. What God is doing in Israel is he's saying, I will put an end to your current situation. I will put you in these situations I will put you in an abandoned place. I will put you in a wasteland. He will abandon, desert, and make your situation a wasteland. God will do that. Because he has a supreme purpose in it. Look at verse 15. Till the spirit is poured out on us from on high. And the desert becomes a fertile field. And the fertile field seems like a forest. Oh, come on, church. He will make your situation like a desert until the spirit is poured out. He wants to make your life like a fertile field and a forest of righteousness. But first, he has to make it like an abandoned desert. And it's precisely because you do not Israel does not have the ability to do this on their own. But when God makes it a wasteland and then pours out his spirit on it, it shows that he is the one building the house according to his supreme purpose. Verse 16 says, the Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. Say it with me, church. It will. It will. It will. It will dwell in your desert areas of unity because God's supreme purpose is at work in you. Verse 17 and 18. The fruit of that righteousness will be shalom. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in shalom full dwelling places, in secure homes. And in undisturbed places of rest. You see the fruit of the spirit in your life. The fruit of the ark being set in your midst. Will be shalom in your heart. It will be shalom in your clan. It will be shalom in the tribes that you are seeking to unite with. The question that we all have to come to is what desert area do you have in your life? 
Does your marriage feel like a desert area? Are there areas with other members of this body that you just feel are a wasteland and you can't do anything about it? What level of shalom are you struggling with currently this morning? What area of God's supreme purpose that you feel like you cannot tackle and it is a desert to you? Are there areas that you do not have the ability to make shalom in? I'm going to give you an example. Husbands, you ever come home to work, come home from work to your wife and you know what you need to do, but you just get home and you're tired. So you know that I must be in shalom with my wife going through our Abigail traits and doing these things, but you just don't have the strength to do it. What areas in your life do you not have the ability to make shalom that seem like a wasteland that seem deserted to you? The answer is you must cry out for the spirit to fill that area of your life. If there are areas in your marriage, if there are areas in your parenting, if there are areas in clan, tribal unity that you are not being able to accomplish, that you want shalom but you just can't do it, you need the spirit of God to be poured out on that area. I want to tell you how this personally worked through my life. I got to watch my best friends be ordained. Do you think there wasn't some part of me that was like, man, I don't know how I'll ever get to that. I got to watch so many of you come into this church and instantly start forming teams. And I'm like, man, this seems like a desert area in my life. You know what God did? He changed my attitude and focus from my purpose to his supreme purpose by making those areas in my life like a wasteland and causing me to see it. He made those areas evident to me. I saw that they were deserted. As I focused off of my purpose and onto his supreme purpose, I started to notice there's some areas in my marriage, in my marriage that's like a desert. There's some areas in my household between other clans like the Barnetts and the Stevens that are like a desert. There are some areas in unity with other tribes in this body that are like a desert for me. And there's definitely some areas in this entire nation of a church that are like a desert area. Yeah. And as I noticed it, I began to cry out for the spirit of God. In that moment of desperation where I felt like everything I was doing is worthless. Y'all saw me. Like I was doing was worthless and not according to his purpose. Like I had no place around the ark. I cried out for the spirit of God to fill it. And you know what happened? My marriage began to grow. My clan began to grow. And as my clan grew, my clan united with other clans. And we started to build a tribe on our street. We started to build that tribal unity. And now we are growing in national unity with the body. This is the only way that I can stand up and preach with Carlos. Him and I couldn't have any uh, more disagreements about eschatology. And you know what? Hallelujah. We are completely united in God's supreme purpose. Amen. I do not spend any time with Linton and Bim. And this week I have been allowed to unite with them daily in God's supreme purpose. And that's because of the spirit being poured out in the desert areas of my life. Amen. Amen. That was a blessing. As we uh, come to a close, let's go to Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne, and before the Lamb. His supreme purpose is to have a house, a people, and a great multitude that are centered around Him. A people united with only one desire, one passion, one goal in mind. Nothing in this life could ever even begin to compete with that goal, that passion, that, that burning desire in their hearts. It is the presence of God in their midst. 
It is a people that will de destroy every enemy that pretends to stand against the glory of God and the knowledge of God. It is, an en it is a people that will not be satisfied with a stagnant revelation of who He is. It is a people that will grow in this and will grow in it together. It is a people that will not unite around petty desires, but who will unite around ensuring that the presence of God is in you and in the one by you and in the body that you are placed in. As you stand up and you get ready to come forward with one purpose, with one supreme purpose, let's come with His purpose in mind. When you come, come forward as a united people. Come forward to be surrounded by people that are surrounding His throne. Come and ask for what my brother Justin just said. Come and ask for the Holy Spirit to come fill you. To make the desert places a forest. Come with faith that your Father will fill you and will transform into His likeness. Come with faith that your Babylonian heart of rising up in pride, going up into the heavens, is abolished by His heavenly heart of uniting and Him, God being the one that builds the temple. Not that you go up to heaven, that he, but He comes from heaven to us. He comes and touches us. He comes and builds His house. We are not rising up by our great power. You're not saying, I'm going to love my brother because I got the power to do so. You're going to unite around the presence of God and this is what will happen. You'll have a united people going after the presence of God that no one can hinder this desire. Church, I don't know where my life is going. I don't know my team. I don't know my calling. I just know that I want one thing. You know what that thing is? It's His presence. I don't want anything else. My life is a life of sacrifice and surrender for Him. Whether He uses me to serve tables, whether He uses me to lay my life down and not get any glory, I'm not living for my glory and my purposes. I'm living that we may unite around His throne and His purposes. I want Him in this body. You want Him in this body. If you do that, then come and unite yourself and ask Him to fill us. Ask Him that His throne would be the center of our lives. Ask Him that His throne would be the center of your marriage and everything around us. Father, we exalt Your name. Father, we want to come as a people that know You and have Your purposes in mind and nothing else, Father. I ask You that You cleanse our hearts. Father, that You allow us to destroy every pretense that stands against You, Father. I don't want to be the one that stands against you. I want to be united with you and with my brothers. I want to yield to you, the perfect builder, Father.